0: Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Great to see you here this morning. Um, Isn't it a great day? And it's fantastic that Bronson and Gabby are having such a good time in in, in Europe. They've done... uh, So they've done Milan, they've done Como, they've done uh, Venice, they've done Florence, and now they're in Rome, so... Um, they're having such a good time so that is so good and uh, like Zoe said you know the trouble is if you've been there and you see these photos you go man we can do that again you know we've only done it three times but we could do it again I'm sure so we're looking today at the beginning uh, well not at the beginning the second part of a series called the sacrifice of praise and and our scripture is Hebrews chapter um, chapter 13 and it's verse 15. It says, Through Jesus, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess Him. Father, this morning, I thank you. God, that you have called us to know you personally. You have given your all that we might know the very heart of God. And you have revealed yourself that we can know you. But God, we thank you, you've also given us this incredible vehicle whereby we can come into your heart through praising and worshipping and knowing you in Jesus' name. We thank you for that. So it's about, this series is about a, the spiritual discipline and the, the sacrifice of praise and worship. Because sometimes it is a sacrifice to praise and worship. And we're going to look at some of these things today. And last week, Miles, as, as Zoe said, shared on the heart of biblical worship, how we're created and designed to worship our Creator in an active and joyful way. That's a, that's how that's the thing that we do. And I just had such a good time in the praise and worship this morning. I think our muse just did such a fantastic job. Yeah. And uh, so that was really good. He also last week, Miles challenged the guys. How many guys have we got here? How many guys felt comfortable with what Miles said last week? He said he's picking on me. Yeah. Well, he's just a chicken compared with what I'm going to say. Not at all. But I think sometimes we guys need challenging in that aspect of our walk with God, uh, our worship, our, ex, our ex, you know, our exposure, our vulnerability during our singing and knowing Christ. So today I'm going to continue to encourage us in this direction, because I believe that God has designed praise and worship to bring about some amazing things in our lives, and as Val said this morning, and one of my favorite songs, Yeah, it's all about the heart of worship, and it's because I came and we came out of us, we've been walking this place and leading for 40 years, uh, this, this, this walk that we walk, and we've been through many, many different aspects of the whole church uh, life, and, and there was a time there where I think the church movement, the modern church movement, lost its way, uh, and it, was, it, did come, it became a lot about us. And uh, we learn how to, uh, to know the promises of God, to work with the promises of God, how to get God to do something for me. And, and, and the thing is, I'm going to share on that today, and that's not such a bad thing, but it is when it's all about me. And I love the way that I was saying this morning, we came back to that song, and that song came out, and for any of us who'd been sitting around going, what is wrong, when that song came out, you go, that's what's wrong. We've forgotten the things that, we, you, know, that you made us, and, and now it's all about you. And it is all about Jesus. But here's the amazing thing. You see, praise and worship is a two-way street. It's a two-way street. In fact, from God's perspective, it's all about us. It's all about what he can get to us. And that is incredibly important. Why else would he send Jesus? Why else would he sacrifice his entire son? Why else would he reveal himself if he didn't want it for us? If he did it begrudgingly. He doesn't do it begrudgingly. And it's not, it's not what he can get from us that is the big thing in God's economy. It's what he can get to us. But one does follow the other. And so often we need to be careful that if, I, if we don't just try and manipulate God into blessing my life, and then I'll worship God, then I'll praise God because I'm happy and I'm blessed and I'm in a good place. And I believe that, that God really does want me to be in a good place. And I like being in a good place. How many people like being in a good place? How many people really wake up in every morning and go, I hope my world falls down today? Now you'd be a wacko if that was where you are at. So today I want to share two amazing examples of where active and joyful praise and worship can take us. So my first point is we praise and worship to break out to freedom. And, and I love these songs that we did this morning because I had this song, at the, you know how we did the, 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 the walkout song? And I said to the, you know, the musicians, maybe we can do this one here. And we go, we started a song, oh, that would be better, that one though. And then we sang a song and then we did another, oh, and that one there would really work as well. Um, But it's all about breaking out to freedom, and we had some of those words. And so Acts chapter 16, we know the story, 16 through 26. One day, we were going to the place for prayer, and a slave girl met us. She had a demonic spirit in her that gave her the power to tell what would happen in the future. By doing this, she earned a lot of money. Now, a lot of money is a lot of money. For the men who owned her. She started following Paul and the rest of us around shouting, These men are the servants of the Most High God. They are telling you how to be saved. That's a really interesting story that here's somebody who doesn't know Christ, who's demon-possessed, who's preaching the gospel. Now, it's a whole different scenario there that can get quite complicated in terms of theology and that sort of stuff. But here's the thing. You see, she's a fortune teller. She's telling people what the future is. And, 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 and you know, if, you, if people get engaged in that sort of thing in your life, you need, to not, you need to walk away from that. You do not need to be involved in that sort of witchcraft. Stay away from that sort of thing. Don't turn to the horoscope and go, I wonder what my week's going to be like. It doesn't know. That's the same thing that I put in there last year. <laughs> you know, and that sort of thing. But everybody wants to know the future. Everybody wants to know the future. Zoe wants to know the future. The thing is, it's not going to help her because Collingwood are not going to win the grand final. (laughs) I've already lost three teams. Now I'm back in (laughs) Carlton. Everybody wants to know the future. People will pay a lot of money to know the future. So she's not only owned and possessed by this demonic spirit, but she's owned and being used by her human masters. This woman doesn't have a life of her own. And here's something we don't think about very often, but before you and I submitted our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we weren't just lost. I wasn't just lost. We were also owned and being used by the devil to stick it to God, wow. to, to, to hurt the heart of God by hurting his people, even though we, he wasn't our God at the time, I was still his son, wow. and that's why we were being used, and we were being, you know, we were owned, In verse 18, it goes on, she continued doing this for many days, and this bothered Paul. So he turned and said to the spirit, by the power of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And immediately the spirit came out and left her. And she was set free, totally set free. Now here's the thing, when Paul did that, he knew he was opening a can of worms. He knew what was going to happen. He knew it was inevitable because money talks. You come and take my job, I'm not happy. You come and take my money, I'm not happy. And so these guys who owned her and he knew that he was putting himself and Silas in harm's way and that there'd be some repercussions because if we look at verse 19 and go on, when the men who owned the servant girl saw this, they realized that they could no longer use her to make money. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them to the public square to meet with the authorities. Here's the thing, if you're going to live a life for Christ, if you're going to allow Jesus to be your Lord, you can expect some form of pushback in your life. It's gonna happen. He, can, you, can anybody answer me this question? Why is it that the only sector of society, the society that we live in nowadays, can be ridiculed and belittled is Christianity? Why is that? I mean, you do it to if you do that to Islam, man, that'll cut your throat. Yeah, we turn the other cheek as we're meant to. But Here's the thing, when was the last time you watched a TV show or a movie where the preacher or the significant Christian wasn't a pervert or a crook or a member of some weird sect or just a plain out idiot? I mean, isn't that the case? Whenever I watch a TV program or a movie and there's a Christian involved, I turn it off because I know darn well he's not going to be a good person. Now, there might be some, you know, but I don't know that there is. Whenever are the people who are depicted in these things, whenever are they decent people like you and I? We don't see that. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, I'm a decent person and so are you. Come on, this is tradition in this church. You've got to do this now. Come on, you know, Bronson's watching this just to see if I get it in once. I'm a decent person and so are you. What other religious religion or social sector are treated like that. There are none. And that's pushback against who and what we are. Verse 22. The officials tore the the clothes off both men and ordered that they be severely beaten and thrown into jail. The officials told the jailer, guard them very carefully. When the jailer heard this special order, he put Paul and Silas far inside the jail and bound their feet in the stocks. About midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing songs to God. The other people prisoners were listening to them. The point here is that they're making enough noise that everybody can hear them. They're not just doing it under their breath in case somebody hears them and they don't. And and you know maybe Paul didn't maybe Paul sang as well as some of you guys, which is pretty bad. You know, but they were singing loudly enough for everybody to hear them. And suddenly there was an earthquake so strong that it shook the foundations of the jail. And all the doors of the jail opened, and the chains on all the prisoners fell off. Yeah. Now, this is, this is fantastic. It's not, it's not just a good place to be. I mean, it's not a good place to be where they were in the depths of jail. You know, I want you to imagine. They'd just been thoroughly, they have been stripped, which is, you know, not very really dignified at all. And then they have been beaten. Let me tell you, they didn't, you know, beat them with a piece of paper. They stripped their backs off and and beat them. And then they stuck them down in the bottom of the prison. You know, the problem with the bottom of the prison is that everything from up above comes down. You know, we're not talking about some, you know, modern day prison where you've got a TV and air conditioning and all that sort of stuff. We've got your feet in stocks so you can't move. You can't dodge that piece of, oh, here it comes again. You know, somebody upstairs has just had a problem. And so they're covered in all this sort of stuff. They're not having a good day. It's a seriously bad day. Now, my question is, and we sung it this morning, did they feel like praising and worshiping God? Did they feel like it? That's, you know, what it's one thing to praise and worship God when you just got that job, or you just got that raise, or your 12-month-old is potty trained. You know, it's one thing when everything is going fantastic, when it's all going great. But when you get beat up, stripped, locked up for sharing Christ, you're definitely not feeling like praising and worshipping God. Are you? Is anybody going to be like that? Don't get religious on me now, yeah? We don't feel like it. And one of those songs today said, you know, I don't feel like I'm going." Oh, we could do that one too. You know. I don't feel like it. And likewise, there are times when you and I maybe come to church and you don't feel like praising and worshipping God. You just don't feel like doing it. You know, you've had a bad week. Hasn't gone well. You didn't get that raise. And then when you got that picture of your car in the mail by some safety camera, and now you can't even afford to pay because you didn't get the raise. Things are not going well. And you've come to church now and, you know, Zoe calls up here and says, you know, it's a sacrifice to give. And you're sitting there going, well, you're not getting that from me. And I get that. But you see, this is where this part of our knowing Christ comes from. There's no raise. We've had a bad week. maybe your three-year-old's still not potty trained. I don't know. Now, that's the case. Please don't shoot me. But anyway, I just thought that was funny at the time because my kids were potty trained at 12 months. So there you go. Because, you know, when you're living on a yacht, you, you, you want to do it quickly because it can get pretty messy. Anyway, enormous to say, carry on. But it's at these times and exactly at these times that we need to be praising and worshiping God. That's why we call this, this series on the sacrifice of praise. It's what releases God. Here's this thing. It releases God to shake the walls of your prison. It releases God to unlock the chains that bind you. It releases God to open the doors to your freedom. And, and, that, and that's an amazing thing. You're not praising and worshipping for Him. You're praising and worshipping in God's economy. You're praising and worshipping for you. Now, you need to have a right heart too. There's a, there is a caveat on that. If you've got bitterness and all that sort of stuff in your heart, it's pretty hard for God to move. But if you're praising God and you're dealing with the issues of your heart, I believe and I have seen it so often. I have no idea how God does it. It fascinates me that God can release people at those times. And sometimes it can take a long, long time. But I've seen God do this so often so that God can do what He wants to do for us. See, he doesn't. he's not the guy going, oh man, I've got to put up with this guy. He wants to bring you into victory. He wa- I'm, I'm a father, yeah? You know, you're, how many mothers and fathers, you want the very, very best for your kids. Even though they're probably little brats at times. But you want, you're the only person that's allowed to say that. God help anybody else that says that about your kids. But you want the best for your kids and God wants the very best for us. And so, in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, says this that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus uh, sharing a prophecy that had been spoken about him. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, and the oppressed will be set free. How exciting is that? I think that's so exciting. So, one of the reasons we praise and worship is to break out to freedom. The second reason we do it, and there's a lot of reasons, but these are just two that I've come up with. We praise and worship to break through. Now, I think we all pretty much know the story of Moses and, uh, you know, in Egypt and, and the slavery of the whole of, of the nation of Israel and how eventually he'd led them out of slavery and across the Red Sea and they spent 40 years in the desert. And even just all that is an incredible uh, um, example of how we're to follow Christ. And into the and finally they reach the borders of the promised land, and you know it's an amazing thing. We live our lives in the expectation of the threshold of the promised land. Even when you you know everything's going, you know there's more. There's there's the goodness of God that continues on. Not because we're greedy or selfish. It's just that the goodness of God somehow or another in us continues to encourage us. Come on, there's more than this. There's more than just a raise or a, new, you know, or a new job. There's a whole lot more than that. And this has come down, about, it's not out of our mind, it's out of the spirit of God that lives within us. And so they're on the borders of the promised land. And by now Joshua is in charge and there's a major obstacle in their way. It's a walled and fortified city. And attacking any fortified stronghold is incredibly difficult and horrifyingly costly back in those days. And, and I guess the question, we're talking about Jericho. I and mean, I mean, the question is, why wouldn't you just go around it? Why wouldn't you just bypass it and leave it there and go into the, you know, milk and honey? Why wouldn't you do that? But here's the thing. You can't have an enemy stronghold in your backyard and have peace at the same time. You can't have that. You can't have the strongholds that the devil has put into your life and have peace at the same time, so we go on. The story goes on in Joshua chapter six, one to five. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, "I have given you Jericho, its kings, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark." Each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day you were to march around the town seven times with the priest blowing the horns. And when you hear the priest give one long blast on the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. There needed to be some expression. Some incredible expression of faith and worship and believing in God. And that's what exactly what happened. And that had to be God. Who would have thought of doing that any other way? Nobody else would have thought about that. It's, it's just an incredible thing, especially the part where the worship team led the way. And that became a bit of a recurring pattern. We see with, as Israel fought their battles. Now, just a quick loving word to our worship team leaders or anybody who aspires to be part of that team. Your job isn't just. I need to put that in there. Your job isn't, because I haven't got that in my notes, the just bit, I just got to hear your job isn't to just, oh I do, there it is, to stand up here and look good, although you do, especially the grey-haired keyboard player, I think she looks fantastic here. You guys pray for me, okay? You ring me up and make sure I'm all right tomorrow. It's not just to look good, it's not just to play good, it's not just to sound good, but here's the thing. Your job is to lead the congregation into the battle for their freedom. Wow. Can I really encourage you? What you're doing up here is incredibly important. And when you're looking out over the congregation, you can see this bloke up the back there. He's got his arms folded. And he ain't singing. And you're exhorting, come on, let's worship God. And this guy's just looking. Oh, it might be a girl. Who knows? And, you're, and don't take it personally. It's your job to say, You may be standing there like this today, but in six months, you're going to be standing here worshiping God because I'm going to lead us into this battle place. I'm going to lead us into this victory. This is what my job is up to here, to make a way for you to come into a freedom, into a victory. And that's so incredibly important. And if that's not your mindset, you know, maybe you should think about doing something else, but that needs to be developed in your life. Can I encourage you that from an old guy? Okay, I don't say that wrongly. Well, I hope I don't. And so what we see, they lifted up their voices in praise and worship, and God fought their battle. They did what they could do, and then God gave them the victory. Because that's what God does. He gives us breakthrough as we glorify Him and praise and worship. It's our job to worship Him. It's His job to fight the battle. Our praise and worship is merely a vehicle for God to fight the battle. God has given us freedom and led us into a promised land, but we've got to deal with some baggage maybe that's, you know, still guarding us behind like that I was talking about before. Maybe you've got some forgiveness that you need to work through in somebody. Maybe somebody's really destroyed your life and you're going, God, I feel stuck in this place. Can I encourage you to deal with that? I don't, think that, I don't say that theologically. I say that because I've been there. I can say that because it's such an important thing. Maybe some of you have surrendered to Christ in every area except your finances. And that's an important aspect, yeah? It is a truth there. Maybe your language, maybe you know, maybe the way you talk needs to be dealt with. Maybe you're complaining, backbiting, fault-finding, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, which is nobody in this room, but you need to talk to that person who you know is like that that have many strongholds, and they will diminish your freedom. They do. They they limit God's capacity because, you see, And I, and I won't go on because I was going to get into obedience and all that sort of stuff, which is, I really like that sort of stuff. So anyway, so we praise and worship to break out and to break through to freedom. Okay, let's bring this puppy home, shall we? Why do you think we do church the way that we do it? Why do we do four fast songs or four songs? We could do three or we could do two. There's no—it could be any one. That four is not the most important part about that. Why do we do our singing to start with? Why do we do that? Why do we do then do the announcements? Then we talk about some money. Then we do a preach. We have an appeal for souls. We pray for people, and then we go and drink coffee. Why do we do it that way? Well, there are a number of reasons. One, we praise and worship first. It fights your battles. It's an action. It, it requires something to happen and it fights your battles. It pulls down prison walls and strongholds and it brings you into a place of freedom. Maybe not today, maybe not next week, and maybe not next month, maybe not next year. But you keep doing it, you'll pull down those things because they walked around Jericho. Wouldn't once have just been enough? Wouldn't once one day, wouldn't that have been enough? No, God said do it seven times. To see the aspect of time is so important, and then we do the announcements, which speaks for itself. We got a pre-meeting coming up this Wednesday night. We got Craig Anderson coming next Sunday, and then in a, three weeks after that, we got Dave Noble up here on the stage. No pressure, but you know it's going to be an awesome day. Fantastic! Looking forward to that, Dave. And then we talk about money. And we all know that that's what it's all about, right? We just want your money. Not at all. It's a very, very important part of God's economy. It's important to Him. That's how He works it. And then we do the impre- then we do the preach. Why do we do that sort of thing? Is it just oh, you know, so that Larry or Bronson or even Dave, God help him, can stand up here and prattle on about something that you know? where you just hurry up. I need a coffee. Not at all, because it, basically what that is, you, we're praised, we've worshipped, we've extended ourselves, we've given, and now we need to be, um, y- you know, to be equipped, nourished. It talks about feeding, it's about empowering, it's about bringing increase to your life for today's battle, tomorrow's battle, this coming week, and our lives in general, for our families. It's about bringing increase to our lives. And then we do the appeal. And that is the main thing. Really, that's what the main thing. This is it. It's about the preaching of the gospel. if you're in this place this morning, and, and, and I can assure you that I'm taking, I've got about five more minutes. But if you're in this place this morning and you are sitting here going, I don't mind this, this is all right. I'm not exactly too sure why they are the way that they are. I don't know if I really want to get down into the bottom of all that. But there's something that's drawing you that you came this morning. You came here because there was something calling you, drawing you. Maybe you're invited. And you don't quite understand why that is. We believe in this church that God calls you into a place like this so that He can meet you. But not just that, so that you can meet Him. And God has made a way for you to meet Him personally and His name is Jesus Christ. And God sent Jesus that He could die for you even though you don't know Him, even though maybe you're mocking Him, even though you don't maybe want to know Him, it doesn't change a thing in God's heart. And you may be in this place today and you might be saying, I do need something in my life. There's something missing on the inside of my life. There's a hole in my heart that can't be filled by anything that I've tried. Can I encourage you today that that hole can only be filled as you surrender and as you allow Jesus to become seated on the throne of your heart as you say Jesus I'm going to step down from the throne of my life and I want you to come and sit on the throne of my life and lead me and help me and if you're here this morning and that's you what you're basically saying is Jesus I want to surrender my life and I want you to become Lord of my life Can I have every head bowed and every eye closed this morning? This morning, if that's you, I want to encourage you to make that decision. And if that is you, could you just raise your hand so I could see it? And I would consider it an incredible privilege to talk to you after the service, to help you, to explain some stuff to you in a, in a good way. Not in some binding way, but some way that will help you continue the walk that you're leading. If that's you this morning, can you just raise your hand? Anybody this morning? Well, let's just pray. See, I'm not too sure whether you in fact, I think there's somebody here this morning and you're going, yeah, well, it's not really me, but I haven't exactly been following Christ I know and I did and I haven't and I'm not now and and you know not even God has given you a hard time about that and and I'm certainly not but today I believe that there's an opportunity for you to say and to recommit yourself to Christ can we all just pray this prayer after me and especially if you're in that position Lord Jesus Christ today I come and surrender my life and surrender my heart to you. Please come and be seated on the throne of my life and be my Lord, be my Savior. In Jesus' name, I thank you. Father, this morning, I thank you that as we come to the end of this time we thank you, God, that your presence has been in this place, that your victory...